Welcome back to the High Impact Physician Podcast. This episode is part two of Sandy and Jason Volato's conversation. If you don't know who Jason is, definitely check out part number one. Uh, in this episode, Sandy and Jason are talking about the birth of Jason's daughter during medical school and how her diagnosis led to him being an advocate and more of a voice for patients. They're also digging into why accountability partners and accountability groups are so important, not only for career development, but for COVID-19. And a spoiler alert, it definitely has to do with failure. A lot of other interesting topics they're digging into. I really hope you enjoy the episode. I want to jump into a bit about your experience um, um, as a father. You've um, no doubt gathered all kinds of tools through your training, through um, your life experiences. And then you had an experience that was unexpected um, with the birth of your daughter. Tell us a little bit about that experience and how it's impacted you as a physician. Oh, I think I'm really glad you bring it up because a lot of times I think my vulnerability hasn't allowed me to really express it. And these days, more and more people are like, tell us more about it, because I I think it really shows a lot who I am as a a father, a husband, uh, a physician. And and I think it comes together. I think it can help a lot of people. So back in 2012, uh, we had the birth of our second daughter and our oldest was two at the time. And I was in medical school. So I was finishing the second year of medical school, getting ready to take my first national board exam and Sienna, she was born in March. And and before she was born, we had, you know, we're trying to pick names and we'd gone back and forth. And her middle name is actually an African name, a Swahili, and it actually is Imani, comes from the Swahili language. And Imani means faith. And we picked this name around January, February. She ended up being born in March. No issues with my wife's pregnancy. Everything's going great. Uh, my first daughter's pregnancy, there was a couple ups and downs, so we were worried. But the second one, nothing at all. Everything was going smooth, everything that you could ever think of. And March 7th came and Sienna was born. And she was as quiet as could be. She came out. Everything was perfect. And then the next day they did the newborn hearing screen. And as I had mentioned, I was a second year med student. So all those things were very important to me, learning about what are they doing in the hospital? What are they doing with her? They did a newborn hearing screen and she had failed the first test. And the nurses reassured us that this happens all the time. Sometimes it's the machine. We have several of these that people fail the first first time they do it. We'll repeat it tomorrow. So we repeated it the next day. And, you know, we had a lot of emotions going through there, but we felt okay about it. You know, they reassured us this happens. There's sometimes fluid in the ears. And so she failed the second time. And after the second failure, you know, we started to think a little bit like, is something wrong here? And they wanted to send her down. She went and got x-rays done. They wanted to look at her kidneys now. They wanted to do an EKG on her heart because they were now concerned. Is there a syndromic issue? Is there like a, you know, a lot of these things happen in patterns. And so I was still learning in medical school. So I didn't know all that much still. And so let alone she had failed that again and they wanted to set us up for a six month follow-up. And I was kind of concerned about waiting six months. So I reached out to a mentor of mine in the medical school and he said, Hey, let me, let me reach out to the ENT physician and kind of see if he can talk with you about it. And I don't know if the stars were just aligned or whatever happened, but we got to go and, and meet with this doctor. And his name actually happened to be Dr. Bestie. And we went to him and, and he was willing to get us in within like a week, within, it was a matter of days, less than a week. And I brought my military insurance because he wasn't, he didn't really take insurance for this. And he ripped up the paperwork and said, look, I'm not charging you for this. I'm not reaching out to your insurance. I want you to pay it forward because that's what I'm doing today is I'm doing the right thing for you and your family. And, and all I want you to do one day is pay it forward with your patients. 
And when he said that, it stuck with me. Like I said, I was a second year of medical school. And let alone, Sienna did fail subsequent tests. And at five weeks, she was diagnosed with moderate to severe hearing loss. And she had gotten fitted for hearing aids. And now, fast forward, she's now eight years old. Um, She has been the pride and joy of my life. And what it's been able to do, to get to the heart of your question, what it's done for me as a physician and everything else is, it got me to think about how I am the voice for so many of my patients. I could have patients who walk in who are so scared to even sit and tell me their whole story. They're very shy. They don't want to be judged. All kinds of things running through patients' minds and that I could be a voice for them. And it really stuck with me, Sandy, because when we sat in some of those follow-up appointments with Sienna's hearing loss, I saw families who spoke no English at all, who were just pawned off where the, the audiology departments we were spending time in were like, well, we'll see you in six months and we'll retest. And I knew right away from my reading that if you don't catch things like hearing loss early, the impact that that can have later on with a, with a person's speech and with them being able just to be a functioning member of society can be a huge difference. I mean, anywhere from, you know, if you wait six months in a baby, that could change the game. And I made it a point of my life to actually be that voice now for people and to get on a stage and talk about pediatric hearing loss, along with everything else that I do as a family and sports medicine physician. But I would say that that situation, and sorry to be long-winded, but it's had a huge impact on my life. Well, and I'm really struck by the notion of how that physician combined with Sienna have touched your life and how you're paying it forward and creating a ripple effect. And isn't it just a beautiful thought to think that when we're on our A game and really aligned with our skills, our strengths and dreams and aspirations, how we really do make the world a better place. Um, Super powerful story. And thanks for sharing that about Sienna. Yes, ma'am. That's just a couple questions moving into this whole um, COVID pandemic. Um, As you mentioned, it's April 2020. Um, We know physicians are being called to serve in lots of different ways. And then there's also this notion of accountability. Talk to us a little bit about um, for the physicians that have dreams and aspirations, but maybe are feeling trapped in where they are. What are some thoughts you have around accountability or accountability partners that could support physicians to really stay aligned with their hopes and their dreams in their careers? Oh, it's such a great thing because I'm I'm so involved in different accountability groups, I would say. I've, I've been a part of one. I, I mentioned to you recently when we first talked about uh, this group from my John Maxwell team, these two other gentlemen. We've had this accountability group now literally three years last month where we have not missed a week of emailing each other or calling at least once per week. And it could be as simple as a one paragraph email about our struggles that we're going through, good things that are happening in our life, goals, aspirations. And then I also joined, um, there was another one called PRX that Dr. Mark Greenwald had started recently that's now become live on his website where he's getting physicians to have accountability partners with another physician. So we can share those struggles that we're going through. I mean, everybody talks about burnout these days. And this COVID pandemic is just, I mean, this is a great example of how we have to come together. We have to share our stories. Number one, we have to make lives better for the patients that we're going to serve now because we don't have a perfect remedy for this virus yet. And every day from what we could talk about one week ago to what we're talking about this morning something's changing about, hey, use this medication, or we're getting these ventilators, or hey, the death rate is going down, maybe we need to do this for testing. We're getting worn out. 
And, and if we're going to be high impact or high performing physicians, especially in the year 2020 with what's going on, we have to rely on our colleagues to help us get there. We, none of us are doing this alone. We didn't go through medical school alone. We didn't go through residency alone. It is a team effort. And sometimes being wanting to be in an accountability group or finding a partner to partner up with and just talk once a week or once a month or something, that that's, can be a vulnerable situation too because we don't like to express our failures. We are probably one of the worst groups of professionals who will ever admit that we did something wrong. Whereas we know through our ethics training and we look back at case reports and case reviews on patients not being happy, all they wanted was for us to be open and honest. And we have issues doing that with one another. And so I think it's so important that right now we need to find people that either we're working with in a hospital together or a colleague that we went to residency maybe five, 10 years ago that we can reach out to because I will promise you that those people, if we reach out to them, they're going to open their hearts to us. They're going to open the door. They're going to want to be there uh, to be part of that because maybe they're not being, they might not be want to be vulnerable at first, but now that they see you reaching out, that might be what they needed to open themselves to you and someone else. Yes. And thank you for reframing accountability. Excuse me. I think traditionally when people hear the word accountability, there's sort of this one up, one down. There are these traditional scorecards or metrics that just had a vibe that didn't feel right. I love the way you reframed accountability about sharing struggles, sharing stories, sharing what matters, and really, really reframing uh, relationships with colleagues around vulnerability and an invitation to be more true to ourselves. That's so good. I'm looking at the clock and I, I want to wrap up with something that um, you've had so many experiences, so many tools, and here we are in a landscape that's very different. As you think about two or three strategies, two or three tools that you would want to offer physicians who are out there working on the front line amidst this COVID pandemic, what comes to mind? Yeah, so I, I think, and like you said, there's so much going on, and every day something's changing. And I think, you know, number one, uh, number one tool is going back to something that you asked me about the Chief Resident Leadership Program. And I think compassion is going to be more important now than it's ever been before. And, and the reason I say that is because this is a disease where people are dropping off their loved ones at the hospital to go get checked out. And some of them are not coming back out. It's the truth. I mean, you look at New York City, you look at parts of California, you look at Louisiana, Michigan, where the disease is really hitting hard, or you look back at Italy where things went really bad. And and it's true. You're dropping your loved one off. They're going into the ER, the urgent care to get looked at. And then they're like, oh yeah, you're definitely a COVID patient. And then they put you in a room and you may not see your family member again. I mean, these are real things that are happening. So that compassion to go, hey, I know this is your 20th patient that you're seeing today but we all signed up for this. And when we're on the clock, those 10 hours, those 12 hours, those 24, we have to dig a little deeper and we've got to think, what is everything I can possibly do right now to do the best I can for this patient? It's not going to be easy. And then we're going to get off shift and we might get five or six hours off and then have to come back again. And that's where I go into tool number two or strategy two is we talked about it again, accountability. And you and reframing it, like using it as something that's so positive, because a lot of times accountability can be looked at as a negative way, like, oh, I have to be accountable for this. I'm not a good leader if I don't do this or if I don't uphold this. But this is different. This is where we take a step back and we realize, okay, 
I've put my blood, sweat, and tears into the last 10 hours on this shift. I am so worn out. Now, what can I do? And maybe a five-minute phone call with someone or a text message or a video call, if you have capability, can really make or break the rest of your week, your day, your year, because you're connecting with someone. And that's where accountability leads into connection. And I think that if we don't have connection, that's where we get lost in this fight. We're going back day after day and we're working. And those on the front lines in, the, in this pandemic, they're, if they're not able to see what they're producing on the back end where someone's getting better three or four days later, or you put a smile on a loved one's face. I mean, that's where these things come together. And I I mean, there's so many things. And I think if I gave you one more, I think you have to look at your health and you've got to find a way that you're giving yourself 20, 30 minutes a day, whether it's meditation, whether it's fitting in 10 minutes of calisthenic exercise because you can't get to the gym or just putting your, lacing your shoes on and heading out the door and getting just a 10 minute run out away from everyone to keep your social distancing, but to get some fresh air. I think those things are really what's going to help us over these next several weeks, several months likely, because we're not going to get back to normal and we're going to have a new normal. And that that's kind of what we're dealing with. Amazing. I so appreciate you keeping the context that real things are happening. I love the way you framed up how we can dig deeper and what a great takeaway that it's really about compassion I love the reframe of accountability, connection, and health, and that health really can be different things to different people, whether it's meditation and running. Those are so good. I salute you, Jason, for your years of service, for your courage, your courage as a physician, your love as a father, and I just want to salute you and thank you for your commitment as a leader and all the work that you're doing to empower others. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on today. It's it's a blessing to be able to connect with you and for all of us to try and come together. And it's a way to be accountable to one another. It's, it's podcasts like this that are going to help people get through all those trials and tribulations.